Welcome to another episode of Terrell Paranormal Talk, where we discuss all things supernatural, weird, and unexplained. Join us for discussions on UFOs, ghost stories, paranormal investigations, strange monster sightings, psychic skills, and places of high strangeness. I'll leave you to one of our esteemed investigators hosting today, and perhaps you will leave a little wiser and a little closer to having your curiosity satisfied. We hope you enjoy today's show. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. It's Brenda Newby here from Cheryl Paranormal Talk, and I am accompanied by my fellow partner in crime i say hey we're gonna go screw some stuff up she says that's a horrible idea and then what do you ask what time (laughs) and what do you need to wear right (laughs) yes exactly and then i ask do i need to bring the shovel or not so we're going to talk a little bit about um how to get started in paranormal investigation. You know, we have a lot of people that call and they ask, oh, can I join your team? But you know, a team is more than just a group of people that go out and investigate together. A team is a finely oiled machine. Takes a long time to get that way. There's a lot of confidentiality. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And everybody brings something uh, skill-wise, diversity-wise to a team. So it's hard for most investigation groups to bring in new members. But you can always look at starting your own team. And I highly encourage that. Highly encourage getting educated, learning. Get a team that will mentor you. And, you know, we're always up for that, right? Yes, and we had a wonderful team that mentored us in the very beginning. And they gave us a good, solid start. And we are so eternally grateful for three-dimensional paranormal. We will never forget what you did for us, fine sirs and madams. Yes, they were engineers, paleontologists. They were the best of the best. We are so glad. So hats off to you. I'm saluting you. You can't see that, but I am. So let's talk about what you do. You're going to grab a friend first and foremost. First thing, don't go alone. Don't get into this by yourself. There's going to be a like-minded buddy out there who is kind of like my mom, Mary Jo, is here. <laughs> you know, I say, hey, we're getting started. She says, what time? So, <clears throat> And what do I bring? <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's number one. You never want to investigate by yourself. You always want to have someone else with you just for safety's sake. This is not something that you enter into lightly. There are dangerous things out there, and you need to be aware of that possibility. So um, we'll have to cover all that in another uh, podcast. But in the meantime, let's talk about some general rules of thumb and how people can get started without putting out a whole lot of money into, you know, pouring that out their pockets into a hobby that they may or may not like. And we know that from experience. We do. We do. But let's talk about rules of thumb first. Ghosts were people too. Yes. We are discussing things with people on the other side. Now, what does that mean for us? That means be polite. Act like you were talking to a neighbor or a stranger or someone on the street. You're going to get more flies with honey than you will with vinegar. 
And, you know, something that's real important is be careful what you ask for. If you say, if you want us to leave, then we want you to throw that book. <laughs> and they throw that book. Guess what? Time's up. you got to go. Yes. As for smaller signs, such as can you move that ball, which we're going to talk about later, or close that door, things like that. You don't want anything thrown at you. No, you don't. You certainly don't. And there are cases in which things do get thrown yes, at Yes, and what will happen is you will turn around and run, <laughs> as you should. <laughs> if things are being thrown at you, I'm hanging around. <laughs> no. Remember that. Be polite. Be courteous. And you're more likely to thank them for allowing you to be in their space. Thank them for talking to you. Let them know we're here to deliver your message or to acknowledge your legacy or what have you. You know, you're talking to folks. So what's going to appeal to them? That's important. We've found in most of our investigations that any spirit that is, you know, inhabiting a location, primarily they want to be acknowledged. Absolutely. So what else we got there? Don't trespass. I shudder every time I read an article or hear a story. Well, we gained access to this property. What do you mean you gained access to this property? Were you trespassing? Did you break and enter because those are violations of the law and you can get in trouble for them and if you're on someone's property that's their property they did not invite you to come in and explore and also there's a danger behind that if places are boarded up there's usually a reason why so it's not that hard to go about asking permission and if you ask permission and you're told no, then you need to honor that. If you look around your community, listen to the stories floating around, talk to people, you'll find a location that you'll be welcomed at, or that is a public area where you may wander at will. Absolutely. And that brings up cemeteries. People, as a general rule of thumb, do not hang out where their bodies are. They hang out with people they love and with objects they love, be it musical instruments or dolls or, you know, stuff related to their hobbies or a really cool jacket they loved. There's all sorts of things out there that that spirits will hang around with. Now, they also will hang out in places where they spend a lot of time, their workplace, their own business, their homes. Sometimes it's just the land that accompanied their homes. Sometimes they're just on the land and it's a brand new building, but it doesn't matter because the spirit is just still where the spirit recognizes. So that's important to remember. The problem with cemeteries is what, Mary Jo? Well, one is that they can be dangerous physically, just walking around, especially if you're there at night, and they're isolated generally. And you have to think about what you have at cemeteries. You have a lot of grief. You have people going back to visit their ex-husbands, and they're angry. You have a lot of energy in cemeteries that can breed 
malevolent energies and you don't want to be around to form a malevolent energy attachment. So it is dangerous, folks. It's very, very dangerous. And, and my point was sometimes uh, it's the real people, the living humans that can be more dangerous. And if you're out wandering in a cemetery at dark, you do open yourself up to that. And it's also about respect. Okay, use trigger objects. If you know your intended spirit, if you know whom or who may be haunting a location, if you know your intended spirit, then you can usually find a trigger object that might bring your spirit to you. So that's an important part of investigating. I know um, there have been instances in which we knew the person was a smoker. We might take them a pack of cigarettes. We knew the person liked to play cards. So you sit down, you play some cards. They liked their whiskey neat, pour a glass of whiskey, or there's an object that they're attached to, you bring that object, or there's a person you think they're attached to, you bring that person. So these are all things that you can do to protect yourselves, but if you've got that trigger object and you know your intended spirit, if it's a child, you wanna bring child's toys. And we'll talk a little bit about that too some of the, the toys that you can bring that tend to get good results. You know your trigger object, you're gonna have better results. So that's important. Also, you wanna talk about getting into this and what it's really about, Mary Jo, why they don't wanna spend a lot of money until they know. You may not want to continue this. And uh, it's not a venture that is immediately productive for you. You may not have that instant gratification. After you've been on your investigation and you've gathered various kinds of data, and we're going to talk to you about that, then you're going to spend some hours reviewing all that data. I find that the biggest problem with paranormal investigators today is that they do not spend the time reviewing their data. And they are missing so much. We're finding people that don't even document I know. their data. Because when you're taking photos, uh, you may not see a spirit or a movement at that moment through your camera. Or, or just mm -hmm. with your eyes if you're not even looking through the viewfinder. But chances are you will see something when you review that photo on your computer. The same holds true for audio recordings. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit of depth today. So yes, I agree. Make sure that you know that the investigation is only a small part of a much larger process. And document, document, document. Because if you don't document, then how will you be able to prove to the rest of the world that it was there and that you saw it? I remember, I've got a quick story to tell, to share. We use documentation recorders on our arm and we turn those on the minute we get out of the car and we turn them off when we leave and we are packing up. It's the last thing we turn off. And what that is, is it sits on our arm. It's got an external microphone in it and it's just a simple audio recorder and they can run forever. Um, even if you've got 13, 14 hour investigation, they run forever. And I remember sitting alone in my bed, 
or in a bed in a highly haunted location when a spirit came up and audibly spoke to me. I was panicked because I thought, how am I going to document this? And I turned over and I looked at my left arm where I heard the spirit voice standing right beside me and realized, yes, my documentation recorder was still running and I caught it. Yes, that was priceless. And on a similar occasion, we left a documentation recorder running in another room as we were packing up our equipment and upon reviewing that recording which we turned off last thing as we left just in that last few minutes we heard a very distinct and angry voice that said get out oh yeah (laughs) yeah i'll never forget that one that one and also when i was sitting in the um kitchen i was sitting at control center and i was going through cctv footage and all of a sudden something audibly says to me Boom. <laughs> and I just went, what the hell was that? And those those uh, clips are actually on our uh, website if you want to go check them out. But, um, yeah, you know, if those documentation recorders weren't running. So that's the point. Uh, you can prove it to yourself. You may not have heard it audibly when it happened, but you can prove it to yourself. You can prove it to others, and you have it for the record. And that's what we're about here. We're not about the thrill. We're about catching the evidence. So, Mary Jo, we need to go back to the don't spend too much until you know because we got sidetracked there. So, what are some ideas of things that a brand new investigator said they want to spend less than a hundred bucks, what they can use in order to get evidence and how they can utilize those things to get evidence? There are many things. And... We're going to go through some of them, and I'll just tell you that uh, this is what we did when we started out. Yes, absolutely. And we we raided my son-in-law's shop. That helped. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He had lots of nice toys. And then, of course, we had some of our own equipment that we, you know, cameras and recorders such that we used over a period of time for personal things. But you can. One of the things that is very efficient sometimes is a can of baby powder. Yep. Baby powder, cornstarch, sawdust, whatever you've got on hand, brown sugar, anything. Yeah. Baking soda. So how do you use this, right? Well, if you perceive that an area is active with spirit, you just dust that, whichever, whatever you're using, you just dust it on the floor mm-hmm. and perhaps leave it and go on to another area to investigate. Mm-hmm. You may get some signs of footprints. Footprints? We've seen been dragged? We've seen that happen in sawdust. Absolutely. Cowboy boot prints in sawdust. Mm-hmm. Cowboy boot prints in sawdust. And we don't use this a lot, but we probably ought to use it some more. more. You know, and you can just vacuum it up, sweep it up. It's not that yeah, big of a deal. Yeah, wipe it up. Because you do mm-hmm. want to clean up after yourself. And it's great if you can leave it overnight or you can leave it a few days and go in and take photos of it before and after. Yes, the before photo is important, too. (laughs) Yes. But any items that are easily manipulated are really, really good. Another thing is just look around you. When you are going in to investigate, what do you have around you? 
that can be easily manipulated. I can tell you right now, doors, you can buy those children's balls, the blow-up balls, easily manipulated. And, you know, this is especially good if you're talking to children. And, you know, get your children's book, read it. You can get you some toys that have the push-button activation on them to make them go off. Those are easily manipulated, especially if you're dealing with child spirits. Yes, or little uh, automobiles with wheels on them, just lightweight. Things that roll. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you go in, you read a children's book, or you sing some kids' songs. You talk to um, your child spirit, and then you ask them, do you think you can move these cars? If you're where you can put a camera on it, everybody's got a camera on them right now, and you got, you know, extra phones sitting around in the in a drawer somewhere, now's the time to make use of these things. When you're using uh, trigger objects like that, it's always a good idea to have a video camera on it. Absolutely. Here again, just like the audio, you want to be able to document, document it. You know, and um, tripods is something that everybody should have. Uh, go to the thrift store, get on eBay. You can buy some really good tripods yes, for cheap. Yes. I have an expensive camera, but it's I have a $5 tripod from the thrift store that yeah. uh, a Manfredo. It's a very expensive tripod, but they're very useful. Yes, Goodwill. That's the place for tripods. And now you can buy the uh, attachments where your phones or your tablets can set on them. So you've got all those tablets sitting in a drawer somewhere, or you've got friends that have extra tablets and whatnot, or extra cell phones, you know. Take up a collection from whoever else you're investigating with or, you know, tell people, hey, I'll give you five bucks for that old cell phone you're not using. That, you know, all you got to do sometimes is just get eyes on it. If you, especially if you can't be in the room and you expect those toys to move or whatever. And there's a really good chance they're going to move when you've left the room. <laughs> you know, there's this new, uh, they're almost like a cat toy. They're um, a little ball. And you push the button, and anytime like the floor vibrates or something moves them, they start to light up. I've bought several of those <laughs> now, and um, I love them um, just because they are—they're so easy to use in ghost hunting. You just have to make sure that you don't vibrate the floor because that'll make them go off. Another little piece of equipment that is very inexpensive now and you may even have some around your house that's the an item that we've found very helpful that's inexpensive and usually available are the uh, passive infrared door chimes just a little chime that very often the shop owners use them to notify them when someone's opened the door and come through the door or left they're very inexpensive maybe five dollars and usually a pair for 15. They work by signaling a change in yes. the temperature. Specifically, if I may indulge here, passive infrared door chimes use a passive infrared laser. Now, when I say infrared, what I mean is that they shoot out a ray of red light that you cannot see with your own eye but it will gather the temperature of whatever object it's projected onto. So say it's just projecting onto a wall, then 
it will take the general temperature of what's that laser's picking up. So if you have a shadow, a shadow's not going to set it off. But if you have a person or you have anything else that causes a change in temperature, which could also be like a vent on it. You know, if you've got an air vent that causes it to go off, that could happen. Um, so it's a change in ambient temperature, and that's what actually makes it um, alert that somebody's there. So uh, they're, they're a really useful tool, and they're really inexpensive. Like I said, eBay, you can pick them up for real, real cheap. Another item that you've probably got around in your house and also on your cell phone is a compass. Compasses can be used when there are there's lots of magnetic energy being pulled into the air. It can actually sway a compass. So if you've got something that is utilizing magnetic energy, especially if you're around a railroad and you've got a spirit that's picking up on that magnetic energy, it can actually move your compass. So it's something to think about. Well, we operate on the theory that spirits use electromagnetic energy to manifest, whether that's uh, visually or by making sounds or moving objects, that they, they need the magnetic energy to take those actions. And that's the basis for much of the ghost hunting equipment yes. that's available. Yes. Um, laser grids. These are pretty common, um, and I like to pair these with a camera, whether that camera is an actual video camera or whether it's a, you know, just a cell phone you've got set up on a tripod, an old one. And what these are is they are pins, and you know, you see them as laser pointers, but these now have holders on them, and you can project them up on a wall in a room, and they produce a grid pattern. So you can see if anything breaks that grid at any point. And that's a pretty handy little tool to have. You can um, get them for uh, seven or eight bucks. Yeah, we actually, uh, having ordered some equipment from one of the suppliers, we've gotten them as just a bonus little gift. So I have like six of them in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you know what a dowsing rod is? I know what a dowsing rod is. Do you want to explain to us what dowsing rods are? Dowsing rods, uh, it'll be a pair of metal rods in an L shape. They were historically used and still are to find water on a property. They are also useful in locating areas of magnetic energy. They used to call it water witching. You can make your own or here again. You can purchase some. There's plain ones, there's fancy ones with beads on it for the handles and things like that. Mm -hmm. They're very easy to learn to use and they can be very, very effective. It's one of those things you have to practice with them because they are subject, unfortunately, to a user mess up. But once you really get good at using them, they are very, very accurate. Yes, and here again, you would use them in the sense of speaking to a spirit that you deem to be there and asking basically yes and no questions. And these rods will react to your questions if the spirit is willing. So it's, um, I've seen them used extremely well. 
and have been baffled. I've seen them used by some people that are just absolute pros at using them and have been just absolutely godsmacked by how awesome they are. And I've seen them accidentally manipulated by people that you would thought think would be experts in them. And it's never anything that they are uh, doing purposely. But like I said, you, you've got to really, really practice with them. There is an alternative to dowsing rods, which are the pendulum. So do you want to talk a little bit about how the pendulums are used? Well, the pendulum will be a generally a crystal hanging from a cord of some type. It's almost like a plumb line. But they're usually prettier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. The user will hold it straight out, and first you ask the pendulum to indicate your movement, the movement for yes, and then you determine the movement for no. And if it's working correctly, you will have two very distinct movements that you, you can identify. So here again, you're asking questions that require a yes or no answer, much like the dowsing rods. And I've never used a pendulum. We haven't used it in our research. I have seen people use it, and here again, like the dowsing rods, you've got to be able to disassociate your own responses from the pendulum. Great tool. These are yes or no questions. Same thing with the dowsing rods. You get your yes or no questions, and they're great. They're what we call proximity devices. So these are going to be things that you're going to use in lieu of the more expensive equipment like your rim pods and your K2 meters and devices like that. Okay, so let's talk about cameras. So digital cameras. When we began investigating, our very first find or... <laughs> what got us started into this spiral yes. <laughs> downward into the bizarre unknown and just simply things you cannot explain it was a photograph. It, it was, was a, a photograph. photograph. It was a full manifestation of a spirit in the garden next to a house. And he was known to be there. He'd been seen. He'd been felt. And we were just kind of there. We were sightseeing. Yes. And as we drove, it was midnight. And as we drove slowly by the house, hoping not to garner any attention from the people that were sleeping in the house because it was occupied. We were snapping pictures out the window of the car and I was using a small Canon point and shoot. Now it was about a 16 megapixel. Wasn't using a flash. Don't want to use a flash. Yeah. Just snapping. Turn your flash off. Turn your night vision on. Snapping photos. Not really seeing anything with their eyes. But upon review of those photos, a few days later, there he was. And that is how we started. It was a simple little camera that I just used for family gathering. Now, mind you, this was before we had such good cameras in our cell phones. But it did, it was digital camera, you know, had an SD card in it, uh, autofocus, all of that. And lo and behold... There was the man in the garden. So you can use those things. You can use your cell phone camera. They're exceptional now. Okay, so this brings me to another point. Infrared. When we turn these cameras into night vision, we are turning them into an infrared sensing device. 
That means that they'll put out an infrared light that you don't see with your eye. Uh, some people use infrared supplements. I know we use an infrared supplement on our photographs, but you don't have to do that. So you turn that flash off. If you need to know if your camera, your cell phone, your, your video camera, your still camera, your old cell phone or what have you, sees an infrared, there's an easy experiment that you can do. Because you can't see it with your eyes, but you can see it through the camera. So if you take your cell phone, you put it in picture mode, or you take your camera, put it in picture mode, and pick it up, take a remote control to your TV, push a button on the remote control, and point it at the camera lens. If you can see the light come on and off. It's red. It's red, yeah. Then you can see infrared in that camera. And like I said, almost all of them are have that ability now. But uh, that's just a good experiment that you can do to make sure that you're going to get that thing. Which brings me to another point. You don't have to investigate in the dark. No. There's no point to investigate in the dark. No, there is other not. Other than to make it spooky. <laughs> or if you don't have light available to you. Now, if you are going into a place that's dark, make sure you take some lanterns with you. You know, so there's great little LED lanterns. Some good flashlights. Lanterns are great because you can turn them on and set them down. But uh, there is no point to investigate in the dark. There is no point to investigate at night. The only reason that I can think of that you would investigate at night is because it's quieter. And that's why we see paranormal activity more at night. We hear it more at night. It's because there's not as much distraction. Otherwise, it's just dangerous. So don't do it unless you don't have any other choice. And if you know it's going to be dark, take backup lighting. You know, you can always contact us through our webpage. Just, um, you can uh, go to the show notes page or you can reach us at terrellghosts.com. Join us for the Terrell Ghost Walk some night. And you can find that on our webpage, terrellghostwalk.com. You know, we have our book out there. You can find that on our webpage. Make sure that you follow our podcast. If you want to show us some love, help us keep this podcast going. We have a listeners page uh, where you can donate. Uh, running a podcast isn't free. Hey, more than anything, share with your friends. And uh, make sure that you give us a a review and make sure that you follow us and I hope that we're able to bring you what you want to hear. Go to our show notes page to contact us. Uh, you got a story you want to share, maybe you want your own podcast. You can send it all there. We will uh, happily, happily include you. Uh, okay, Mary Jo, can't think of anything else so unless you have anything to add then I think that we need to sign off. Yes, this has been a good conversation. Brought back a lot of memories of uh, our beginning days. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Brenda, what do we generally sign off with? Guys and gals, thank you again for joining us. And it is always a great day to talk to the dead. Give some love by subscribing to our podcast to make sure you get your weekly paranormal fix. We are delighted that you have joined us today. There's plenty more stories and interviews to come. Remember, 
it is all. Awesome.